What's up, church? I know BZ tells you to do that, but I still like it. You guys feeling good? You sound good. Let's say hi to everybody. What's up, Littleton, Lakewood, Arvada with your brand new sanctuary? Is that what you call it? What do you call this thing? We don't really have church buildings necessarily, do we? With your brand new auditorium, uh, we're, we're happy for you. We're a little jealous, but we're happy. What's up, Brussels, Belgium? Can we make some noise for everybody in Brussels? You, those of you in Brussels right now sitting in those big, red, comfy theater seats, you have the most comfortable seats of any campus that we have. So we're glad you're with us today. And then a special hello to the men and women at both God Behind Bars campuses. We love you guys so much. We believe in you. We're glad you're with us today for church. So it is the end of year giving weekend. Is anybody excited about that? I love that. And we're becoming a church that actually claps for that, that gets excited, that makes some noise. I believe that's how it's supposed to be. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8 says this about giving. Here's my point. A stingy sower will reap a meager harvest, but the one who sows from a generous spirit will reap an abundant harvest. Let giving flow from your heart, not from a sense of religious duty. Let it spring up freely from the joy. Let it spring up freely from the, from the joy of giving. All because God loves, I love this, God loves hilarious generosity. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace so that you will have more than enough of everything. Every moment and in every way, he'll make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. I love that translation that says hilarious generosity. It's okay to give and to laugh and to be excited and to have fun all at the same time, right? And that's the plan. You guys ready for that? Yeah. I love it. Um, you know, uh, if, let me just say this. If you're visiting and, and you're already going, wait, what? I came for what? You know, you're, you're already going, this is the worst weekend possible for me to be at this church. Um, I want you to know, first off, I think it's a really good weekend for you to be here because what you're going to find is you're going to get to peek behind the curtain and you're going to get to see what's really important to us. Um, and what you're going to find out is, is we don't want a thing from you. In fact, we so believe that Jesus Christ is the hope of the world that we're getting together this weekend as a church family and saying we're willing to sacrificially give of what we have so that people like you and other people around the world can find that out faster. That's who we are as a church. And so we don't want a thing from you, but we're really glad you're here with us today. And, and if you're hurting, especially financially, look, first, almost all of us in this building and all our other locations would go, hey, I've been there. Like, there's no, there's no guilt in that. I've been there. I know what that feels like. So, so let me just say this. We don't want anything from you either. And, and although we're going to take an offering as a church family, don't you dare feel one ounce of guilt if you're not in a position to be a part of that today, all right? Because this isn't about guilt. This isn't about religious activity. In fact, here's what we want you to know. If you're hurting, like you're just in a spot where it's like, look, I don't know where my next meal is going to come from. I don't know how I'm going to get through the next few days. Then, then do this. There's going to be some buckets that go down the aisles. A lot of people give online. A lot of people will give in person. Um, a lot of people will put in checks and, and envelopes, and we don't mess with that. 
but some people will throw in cash, just loose cash in the buckets. When that's going by, if you're hurting and you don't know how you're gonna get through the next few days, don't you feel guilty at all. You reach in there and you take some of that loose cash out and you be reminded that the creator of the universe loves you. He's with you, he's got a plan for you, and we want you to know that. All right, so we don't want anything from you as well, or either. Now, let me talk to, for a minute to those of you who this is your church family. You knew this was the end of year giving weekend, and you came anyways. <laughs> I love you. But I also know that, because I am one of you, and like BZ said, um, when he welcomed this particular campus, like, I'll go first when it comes to this stuff. And the directors go first, and the staff goes first. And so I know all the same pressures that, that you feel, I feel, right? And so I know that some of you, you, you drove here with a pit in your stomach. Like, at every other light, you're like, I will turn this car around, <laughs> right? Because you're like, I don't know. And, you know, I, I think God's put a number on my heart. And, and some of you are sitting in this room right now or at one of our locations right now going, am I really going to do this? Am I really going to write that check? Am I really going to start tithing today? Am I going to write a tithe check for this year? Am I going to excel in the grace of giving? I think God's put a number on my heart above and beyond my tithe, and it feels crazy. Like, am I going to go through this? Some of you have had conversations with your spouse, and, you're, and you've been like, babe, what do you think we should do? And your wife says a number, and you're like, are you crazy? Well, that was just me? Oh, my bad. <laughs> Some of you have had conversations with your spouse where you're like, tell me the number you're thinking. You tell me. You go first. No, you go first. And then one of you goes, and the other one goes, that's exactly what I was thinking. (laughs) That's crazy, right? Like, I get it. And here's, look, let's be honest, okay? We're in church. We we should do that uh, most of the time, right? Um, Except for the weekend's Chad Talks. Oh, come on. I'm just kidding. Um, And so, but like, isn't it true that even though we're trying so hard to be people of faith and to like obey God, man, this is a tough one, right? And so sometimes in the back of our mind, no matter how many times we've done this, no matter how many times we've seen God's faithfulness, we still kind of deal with this like, what if? What if I give the gift and regret it? I mean, because... I can't buy stuff with the money that I'm given today, after today, right? I mean, it's gone. And what if I, come on, it's okay. We can admit it. Like, we, we feel that sometimes, don't we? I just gave a gift about a month ago, and the truth is, is I took a step back afterwards, and I was like, huh, should I have? You know what I mean? I had that feeling. Um, we have three boys. My youngest son just turned 10. He's not a baby anymore, but he's our baby. Okay, right? And some of you parents know what it, you start to see the kids growing up to, to way too fast. And, and my wife has got real sentimental about Ashton. You know the one I'm talking about, the, the, the hippie kid we call Sunshine. And, and so um, she's gotten real sentimental about our baby turning 10. You know what I mean? And so the truth is everyone knows it in the house right now. No one's talking about it, but everyone knows it. He just kind of gets whatever he wants right now. That's just where we're at. Because everything he asks for, Jill's like, oh, my baby. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what's happening. So he came to me about a month ago. He turned 10 and he came to me and he said, he said, dad, I know what I want for my birthday. And I, I, gift giving is like my love language. So I I actually get excited about this. So I'm like, all right, bud, like, like, what are you thinking? What do you want? And he goes, dad, I want a bunny. (laughs) 
no. <laughs> Try again. Like, that's exact, no. You're not getting a bunny. What, do you, what does a bunny possibly have to offer our family? Like, this is a house of testosterone and Jill. And so, no, you cannot have a bunny. That's ridiculous. Go talk to your mom. And so he goes back to his mom, and he does this whole, like, Mom, I just really want a bunny. You know why he wants a bunny? Because Chad. That's why. You know how many things have went wrong in my life, and I've tried to explain why, and the explanation starts with those two words, because Chad, okay? Because Chad bought his daughter Jane a bunny, and Ashton's been over there playing with the bunny, so now he thinks he wants a bunny. So thank you, Brugman household. Now my son's coming to me asking for a bunny, okay? Mom, Dad, won't let me have a bunny. She's like, listen. I'm as mad at your father as you are. <laughs> you go back there and you give him the sad eyes. Go, go, go. So he comes back to me and he does the thing that you know your kids do, right? If you have kids and they can talk, they've already done this, which is, mom said it's okay. I mean, if it's cool with, you know, right? That, mom said I could have a bunny. If you're okay with me having a bunny, I just really want a bunny. I've dreamt of it for so long. I'm like, you never even mentioned this. The whole family gets on board. Long story short, they broke me down. We didn't just get a bunny. We got a Netherlands dwarf bunny. And so I'd like to introduce you to the newest member of the Johnson household. This is Fernando. That's Fernando. I know, he's kind of cute. I held him today. Ashton talked to me the second day, I think, that he had Fernando. I came home from, from work, and he's like, Dad, I need to talk to you about something. I'm like, what's up? And he goes, I think I need to quit football. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm not living vicariously through you, huh, but kind of. So why on earth do you want to quit football? It's playoffs, and you're the quarterback. Like, they need you. And he goes, I just, I need more time after school, Dad. And I go, for what? He goes, to take care of Fernando. I'll give that bunny right back. That's what I'm thinking. And you can't make this up. Two days later, my wife, I'm sitting in my office. My wife texts me. Text said, I think we need to get rid of the dirt bikes. I'm like, why? Why would we ever get rid of the dirt bikes? Like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, we just need more room in the garage. And I texted her back. I go, for what? She goes, Fernando's cage. This bunny is day by day, moment by moment, sucking the testosterone right out of my life. So I gave the gift, and like I take a step back, and I'm like, huh, I don't know if I'm happy that I gave that gift. You know what I mean? And the truth is, we come to moments like this where we know God's calling us to something, and we start feeling that same thing. Am I going to feel that tomorrow? Am I going to wish I had? Will I regret being generous? And I told you at the beginning of this series that I wasn't going to beat around the bush with this stuff, even though it's a difficult topic for some people to talk about or some people to hear about. I was just going to tell you what I thought. And so if I was talking to my best friends or, or, my, or you know what I was thinking, if I was talking to my boys and, and one of my boys came to me and said, Dad, I, I think God's calling me to be generous. And, and it seems kind of crazy. Like, do you, think, do you think I should go through with this or will I regret it? And I, I, I was thinking, and like, I can tell you before you and before God, like I would tell my son, Son, if God's calling you to generosity, you will not regret it. You don't have to worry about that. You jump with joy at the opportunity to give. 
And, and I would, that's what I would tell him. And then I thought, well, why, why would I tell him that? And so I came up with a few things that for me is why I just, like, I believe this is supposed to be fun and this is supposed to be exciting and it's not supposed to be a religious thing and it's not supposed to be an arm twisting guilt thing. Like, I believe giving and excitement go hand in hand. And so I would tell my son, like, I'm excited for you and you're gonna love it and I love it because number one, I love the peace and the joy that it brings me. And maybe that's selfish. Maybe it's ironic. Maybe I'm only generous because I'm really selfish. I don't know. I was thinking that this week because I love what I get back from it. I love the peace and the joy that I get when I'm generous, when I obey God with my finances. And I was thinking about the first time that I did, and I, and I shared this with you before, but I've never, I've never realized something about my very first giving experience until this week. Um, and so some of you've heard parts of it, but I'll share what I'm You'll get it. Never mind. So, um, so, so I had just moved from, from, I'd just gotten saved. I'd moved from LA to Rockford and Parks let me move in with him. And he had a brand new wife and a brand new baby. And they lived in this tiny little apartment and they had no place for me. And they shouldn't have let me live there anyways, because I was, I was an addict like less than a month ago. So you shouldn't let me move in anyways. That was irresponsible. And they didn't have a room for me. And so they put me, they, I, I was in his hallway on a futon. That's where I lived in Eric's hallway on a futon. And everything I owned fit in three boxes that I packed as luggage and flew to Illinois. So everything I owned would fit in one shopping cart. I didn't have a car because I had just wrecked mine and I didn't just like kind of wreck it. Um, I pulled out in the middle of the intersection and T-boned a fire truck on the way to a fire. Yeah, I woke up in the ambulance like it was crazy. A whole different story for a different day, but I was way too irresponsible to have had the right kind of car insurance, so I just didn't have a car anymore. So I had no car. Everything I own will fit in a shopping cart. I live in a hallway on a futon at Eric's apartment. I got nothing and more debt than I ever thought I could even see through. And I got this part-time job at the church that Eric worked at. And, someone's, and, and the pastor's wife was helping me with finances. She said, you ought to tithe. I said, you're crazy. But the truth is, is, is I kind of went, you know what? Like, I came here to go all in. I just knew that. Like, I want to go all in. And so I, I give God my dreams. I give God my career. I give God my relationships. I'm giving God my finances, whatever. Like, I want to be all in. And so I did what you can do if this is your church. I went on to their website and clicked on reoccurring giving because I knew that, like, I do not have the strength to write that check every two weeks. I just won't do it. And so just take it. Just take it out each I just, I want to be consistent. I want to do it. Let's go. I hadn't even given a penny yet. I had just signed up to in the future. And I remember telling Eric that night, I remember telling him like, man, I have more peace and joy right now than maybe I've ever had, but definitely in a long time. And, and I was thinking back on this whole experience this week. And I was thinking when I got saved, if you turned on one of the church channels at the time, about every other message seemed to be a televangelist or televangelist? Televangelist or televangelist? Whatever, don't say it so judgmental. So, <laughs> televangelist. So, so, anyways, it seemed like every other one was like, if you'll send in money, you'll get rich. If you'll give to God, you'll get rich or you'll get healed. Which is, which is weird because I've read the New Testament and they all seem to sacrifice a lot and didn't all get rich and healed, but that's a whole different story. So, so the, the, if you give to God, you'll get rich. And I was looking back at my story of the very first time I tithed, 
I didn't get rich. I didn't get a roly, roly, roly with a dab of ranch. <laughs> My son's like, stop it, dad, stop it. <laughs> My gosh. Uh, I, didn't get, I didn't get a jet or a rolls. Uh, my bank account didn't miraculously change. It didn't happen. And so you could look at that for a second and go, well, I guess it didn't work. And then I started, you know, now I have this perspective of looking way back at it from years down the road. And what I realized this week for the very first time is when I started tithing, I mean, I had just gotten saved. It wasn't four or five weeks earlier that I was abusing drugs, dealing with so much anxiety and depression that I didn't think I could live anymore and sat down to take my own life. And so here at five, four, five, six weeks, something like that later, here I am telling my best friend as I'm getting ready to go to bed one night that I've never had more peace and joy in my life. And all of a sudden, I looked at the whole thing now from this different perspective and I was like, what an amazing God we have. My heavenly father knew that I didn't need a check. I needed peace for the first time in a long time. And that's exactly what he gave me. The peace and joy that I felt right after I finally decided, God, I'm just gonna trust you with everything, even my finances. And I came across this verse this week and I thought, well, well this is it. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It was the first time in my life that I'd actually said, God, I'm not just gonna trust you with my salvation. I'm gonna trust you with everything, everything. Relationships, money, the whole thing. And that decision brought so much peace into my life. And so I thought, man, I would tell my son, like, if God's calling you to generosity, you jump at that opportunity with joy because you're going to love the peace and the joy that you get when you're obedient like that. I would tell my son, what, what, one thing I love about it is not just the peace and the joy, but I love how for me, giving this way always brings me closer to God. You ever felt that? You, you obey God in some crazy way and it's this risk and then right on the backside of it, you're like, like I'm doing life with God. We were, we'd been here for maybe, I don't know, maybe a year and a half. Very small little church called Red Rocks Church that no one had heard of met in the back corner of a creepy theme park, which is really fun to talk about these days. It wasn't so fun back then. It really, I joke about it, but I, I look back now and I'm like, it might have resembled more of a cult than a church. I mean, anytime you gotta walk through a theme park to have a religious meeting with like 40 people in the back and nobody, there's no signs, like it's weird, you know what I mean? And that's, that's what the church was. And, and, and me and my wife were baroque. And all the guys were. There were no paychecks. There was no health insurance. There was no, none of that stuff. Like we were working other jobs and meeting in the evenings and the whole deal. And there was this one day when, when I was like, me and Jill were having this talk about, and I'm like, we really need a car. And uh, if, you, if you are watching or listening to this from somewhere else, you might not feel the urgency, but everyone from Colorado is gonna get this. I was borrowing a car from a friend of the family. It was a Nissan Xterra, Two-wheel drive, rear-wheel drive. Exactly. Everyone in Colorado just went, oh, no. Like, that's a recipe for falling off a mountain. That's what that is, okay? And so we needed a car. We had to give this one back, and it wasn't safe anyways. And, you know, we, we renewed all this whole thing. So I remember one day we were standing in the kitchen, and my wife's like, well, then 
let's just pray that God would provide. And I'm like, like that's going to work. I know I'm a pastor, right? It's crazy. And so I'm like, okay, you're right. I'm sorry. Fine. Let's... So she prays, and I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit, but was like, please, God. And um, so, so, so we had that going on. And then about, about the same time, I was starting to realize, like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I need, like, a fatherly, pastoral-type figure in my life because I don't know how to raise kids and we got a two-year-old or a three-year-old maybe at the time and a one-year-old and like, I don't know how to run a church and, and I want to be a good husband and I want to be a good pastor and like, I don't know how to do any of this stuff. So I literally went to another pastor here in town and was like, will you, I didn't even really know what I was asking. I was like, will you mentor me? And he's like, I'll tell you what I'll do. Me and my wife will become your mentor couple. And I was like, I don't know what that means. It sounds very spiritual. I'm in. <laughs> so we were going to their house for our very first mentor couple date. So me and Jill go to their house in our two-wheel drive Nissan Xterra, and we, we pull up, and I was like, huh, they got two cars. That's what a paycheck does. Yeah, right on. And I'm like, I bet they both have four-wheel drive, you know. So we go in, and we meet with them, and, and it was great. And we talked shop, we talked life, we talked ministry, the whole deal. A few days later, he texts me. He's like, we got to go to lunch now. I'm like, that's weird, but Okay. So we go to lunch, and he's like, you're not going to believe this. He's like, I just took a job. I just got offered a huge church in another state, and I just took the job, and I just met with my board, and we'd like to offer you my job. And, and it's a fast-growing church. It's a big church. It's got a good paycheck, and you can take those 40 people from the cult and just roll them right in. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you'll be just fine. Okay, I made that part up, but... I'm telling you, it, it was like, like I was floored. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I could get health insurance for my family today. And me and Jill went and talked about it. And we were like, I went and told him. I'm like, look, man, I, I can't explain it. And I, there's no reason to believe this thing's ever gonna work. But I just know this is what I'm called to do. And I gotta stay in the back corner of this theme park. And uh, that's just what I'm called to do. And I'm not telling you this story so you'll clap, but thank you. That was super nice. I still love being your pastor. So, um, but, but I just, I said, man, I, I just, this is, this is our thing. This, I got I to gotta do this. So same week, me and Jill have an opportunity that's put in front of us to give some money away. And I'm thinking, no, because it's a bunny. No, it's stupid. Like... I don't have a car, and I just turned down a new job, and still, like, no. And then me and Jill were like, well, let's pray about it. And then we did the whole thing that a bunch of you have done about this end of your gift. And I was like, well, what, what do you think? And she, she said a number, and I was like, ah, that's what I was thinking. And it was 500 bucks. Might as well felt like a million at the time, I'll be honest with you. And we did. All right, let's do it. So all that's going on, and this is where I worked. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's the church. That little corner right there, that's the whole church. <laughs> I agree. So my, my kids just told me the other day, they're like, Dad, I missed the theme park church. <laughs> so that was the church. So I'm in there, and I'm walking around this day, and I'm like, I remember, I remember praying. I remember being like, God, am I crazy? Like, I work in a theme park. <laughs> 
I don't know if it'll ever work. And, and I just turned down a job and got these two kids at home and I'm not doing a very good job of providing and we just gave away money. And like, like, am I crazy for believing all this? You can't make this up. Two guys walk into the room, empty. The church is empty. It's just me there. Two guys walk in. I'm like, what's up? This guy's like, God woke me up last night and told me I'm supposed to do something. I called him this morning. He said, crazy thing. He got the exact same feeling last night. So we're here to buy you a car. He goes, let's go down to the car lot and pick one out. And I'm like, I go, I'm going to need a minute. (laughs) And you know me, I went in the bathroom and cried. The car thing was cool. But the truth is, in that moment, what I really needed was to know that God was with me. That's what I really needed. And, and I'd never felt closer to him before. It was like, you're, you're paying attention. You're like, you're with me. I'm not crazy. We're doing life together. Like the car's gone. It's rusted. It's probably in a junkyard somewhere. But I'm still close to God. You know what I mean? Like that's what I needed. I needed to know that me and God were doing life together. And I would tell my son, if God's given you an opportunity to be generous, like jump at that thing with joy because the peace and joy you get, it'll blow you away. But what's really cool is how close you feel to God when you're being obedient with something as close to your heart as your stuff. Don't ever miss out on that, son. That's what I'd tell him. And I think the third thing I was thinking what I'd tell him is, is one of the reasons why I love this whole generosity thing is because of the purpose that's attached to it. Because I get to be a part of stuff that I could never be a part of on my own. And, and look, I said this at the beginning of this series. I do challenge you to tithe. I do challenge you to ask God for opportunities to give above and beyond. And if you don't trust our motives, I do challenge you to give it somewhere else. And in fact, I've heard some amazing stories this week of that happening. Uh, in fact, one, week, one day this week, someone just came in my office and was like a pastor. Dude, a pastor just got in touch with me. They're a brand new church and they're really struggling and they just got a huge check in the mail and it just said, from someone at Red Rocks Church. And that just like blessed me so much. Like, I love that. So, so I'm, I'm all for that. But I do wanna tell you, if this is where you give, man, you got some purpose all over that. Crazy kind of purpose. Eric did an amazing job a couple weeks ago of really dissecting a bunch of stuff that we're doing. Let me give you some cliff notes. If this is where you give, in the last year, since this this offering last year, we have given away, not paid for buildings and and, and expanded Red Rocks and paid salaries. No, 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 no. I'm talking about here, go feed some kids. Here, keep rescuing people. Here, start your own ministry. Here, help people that don't have a place to live or food today. We have given away, as a church family, since this offering last year, $1.7 million. That's what we do, church. I love that. We work with an organization called Compassion International, a bunch of you know. And, and every single day right now in Haiti and Rwanda, we have six sites, three in each. Every single day, this church feeds, clothes, helps with medical needs, and tells about Jesus, tells Jesus to them, listen, over 2,500 kids a day. That's what we get to be a part of. We get, per- we get to be a part of stuff that we could never do on our own. One of those sites needed some land, desperately needed some land to expand. And let me get this right. Yeah, 
because of this offering last year, we were able to look at them and go, we'll buy it for you. And we did. And they now feed, get this, 400 kids a day just out of that one property. And it's all from this offering last year. There's purpose all over this stuff. Put up that, pa- that picture, if you would. This is our first graduating class of the pastoral training school that last year's offering is now paying for. And every one of those young men just went through pastoral training and is now going to go start their own church in India. And you paid for that. That's what we're doing. We work with a group called Hope Haven. And, and they're in just outside of Kigali in Rwanda. And they needed to expand. And we didn't know how we were going to do it. And last year, we took this offering and we went, that's how we're going to do it. And we went to this organization and we helped them expand. And in the new expanded uh, part that we've been able to be a part of because of this offering last year, listen to this, they're feeding 600 kids a day, two meals a day. They wouldn't have anything without us coming in there. That's the kind of purpose that we're a part of right now. And and here's what we know is like where, where God has you, is where you're called to right now, isn't it? If you're in one of our GBB campuses right now, that's where you're called to right now. If you're spending a lot of time in a hospital right now, that's where you're called to right now. The job he has you in, that's where you're called to right now. The school that you're in, that's where you're called to right now. We know the cities that we're, where God has us right now, that's where we're called. So we better not just be helping people on the other side of the world, we better be helping people where we're called, where we live, right? And so let me give you some, some, some updates on that. Because you gave last year, this wouldn't have happened otherwise. This wasn't even on our radar. Because you gave last year, we will start a church next year down by the Park Meadows Mall. Go ahead and put that picture up. This church will fit over 5,000 people a weekend are going to hear about Jesus down in the south part of town, all because we gave in an offering last year. Wouldn't have happened otherwise. Because we gave in this offering last year, this time next month, there will be a Red Rocks Church, Austin, Texas location. Go ahead and put that picture up. That's one of their pre-launch services. This thing's going to pop. But we couldn't have done it without last year's offering. Because you gave and because you consistently give, we're going to keep opening God Behind Bars campuses. And we're going to keep reaching people like the amazing men and women at both our facilities right now. Men and women, we love you like crazy. And church, we're going to keep doing that. We're going to keep expanding and keep telling everybody we can about the good news of Jesus. But we also know this. It's not about building the Red Rocks Church kingdom. It's about building God's kingdom. And so because we believe that, we don't just say it, we believe it. This week, 10 local pastors have no clue what's coming their way. We're sending 10 churches in this city checks this week. That's going to blow them away. They don't even know what's happening yet. And we'll continue to do the things that we do. We, we look around our area and we go, what churches are in need? And we'll help them pay rent. And we'll help them pay mortgage. And we'll help them hire staff. And we'll send them Christmas bonuses. We're going to keep doing all the stuff we've been doing because we're not trying to build this kingdom. We're trying to build his kingdom. That's what we're doing. I asked Eric, I said, Eric, um, I want to I recap. I go, give me a list of some of the ministries that we've helped recently. And I honestly, I thought it would be like, you know, a page. I know we do a lot. So I thought, you know, there's going to be a good list. But, you know, bring me that list. He, he came into the meeting. I kid you not, seven-page document. 
I could stand up here for hours and tell you stories about the stuff that you are a part of because you've decided to just be obedient. I'm telling you, our generosity's got purpose all over it. And so we were able to talk with just a few of the people that you've made a difference in their life and in their ministry, and and some of them wanted to tell you thank you. So check this out. Um, 180 Ministries um, has three locations, um, a seven-acre ranch um, in Grand Junction, Colorado, and that helps uh, rescue women out of sex trafficking. We also have an eight-acre uh, orchard farm in uh, outside of Salt Lake City, Utah, that is uh, is actually a high school for juvenile girls, and they're get they're staying in high school, getting their lives back on track. And then, of course, here in Denver, we have uh, you know the men's center for uh, a young men who are trapped in addiction and uh, coming out of the prison system often. I I never set out to start a church. I never thought that would be an option. Um, It was never my dream, per se. In probably 2014, mid-2014, we, we, meaning my wife and I, said, let's let's start a church. Let's get a group of people who are willing to start a different kind of church in Evergreen. So Sox Place, I mean, as a whole, we we want to love these kids, and we want to show Christ's love to these kids. And one way we do that is through food. Um, We make good food. We don't have just whatever bottom of the barrel donation food, we try to do the best we possibly can. And we, we try to put our best forward and, and, and do the best we can. And that's all through donations. So all of our, our finances, all of our food, all of our clothing, all of our resources for the kids, everything comes 100% donations. Church planning is hard and pastoring is hard no matter where you go, no matter who you are. And, and it's so great to have people in your life that believe in you, that have been there, that have done it and, and know what to say and know how to encourage. and. And that's exactly what what Red Rocks has done for us. Um, sometimes you get to that spot where it's like, man, we're we're out of scholarship money, and to even have the thought at a certain point to say, man, we just financially can't do another student or another kid, um, and then kind of have Red Rocks swoop in often and say, we'll fill in the gap. We'll we'll be that person there. We'll be that miracle for you, so it could transcend into the miracle for that person. So, it's given us the ability to not have to say no. From a financial standpoint, Red Rocks has come in at key points in time and gave us the leg up that we needed in the beginning and then now here as we're uh, in kind of a phase two, phase three. The involvement that you guys have had, the involvement that Red Rocks has had has not been, you know, the monthly check. It's just at those key times. And that just gives us what we need to keep going. And Red Rocks Church, donates uh, food, actually the actual food. They, they have an account and they donate awesome food and the meals are, are, ingredients are picked out and we're able to cook amazing stuff like chicken pot pie that's like homemade chicken pot pie for these kids. And, and I'm talking hundreds and hundreds of servings a day, you know, several hundreds of servings a day. You know, we'll have a hundred kids here, but they all eat for three, you know? So for the most part, this is their one meal a day. Seeing the life change happen in these people and the people that we've grown so close to and seeing what God is doing, uh, that's what keeps us going. And it wouldn't be possible without the help that we've had and without the support that we've had from uh, from Red Rocks. And, and you guys have been such an incredible blessing to us. And, and it just, it frees us up to do exactly what God's called us to do. Um, I just want to say thank you so much to Red Rocks Church and to everybody that's not only given money, but have prayed those ridiculous prayers to see people's lives um, dramatically changed. From the bottom of my heart, you are making the difference. Without you, this thing just would not work at all. So thank you so much. 
Thanks Red Rocks for your support, your generosity. Uh, that gives us a leg up at key times. Thank you, thank you Red Rocks Church. Thank you for always being accepting of whoever walks in your doors. You guys have no idea what that means to a lot of people that look different, uh, act different, have a different past. Thank you for helping uh, keep this place going. Thank you so much to anyone who has given in, in any way, shape or form, whether you gave through finances or you've come and served in, in some way in our ministry. You have no idea how much of a blessing you've been and we're so thankful for you. Hey, Red Rocks Church. My name is Greg Giamalva. I'm the lead pastor at Stateline Church in Rockford, Illinois. You were the very first donation that we had. You were the first people to believe in what we were doing. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. And I know there's about 700 other people that are now a part of our church after two years that are grateful for you guys as well. Thank you very much. We appreciate you. And we're so glad we get to do ministry together. Hey, what's up, Red Rocks? Uh, my name is Jody Hickerson, and I'm from Mission Church in Ventura, California. The way that Red Rocks, you, the people that make up Red Rocks, have been so generous over our seven-year history um, at some really critical times has made such a huge difference. And so thank you so much, again, just for your generosity, for thinking outside the walls of Red Rocks, um, and even outside of Denver, um, all the way to California. We are incredibly grateful. Hey guys, we're the Tarantinos, and over the last 15 years, we've been serving in this amazing continent. And Red Rocks, it's because of your generosity, the face of Europe is changing. And you guys, by investing into us and your generosity, we're so excited that together we can make heaven more crowded. Hey Red Rocks Church, we are Andy and Victoria Gamble, and we are from Derry in Northern Ireland. Hey, and we just wanted to say a quick, huge thank you to you, Red Rocks Church. Hey, we believe ultimately that God is building His church, but in all seriousness, if it wasn't for Red Rocks Church, there wouldn't be a church plant that's happening this March. This March, the Hills Church is launching its first Sunday service, and we just really, from the bottom of our heart, wanted to say a huge thank you. Yes, we love you, Red Rocks. Thank you. Isn't that cool? What you don't get to see that, that I get to see often is, is stories like this. And I can't tell you, I mean, well, I kind of just did, like Eric brought in seven pages of those stories. And, and I see every one of them as like a God-given opportunity to help somebody else make a difference, to not just build our kingdom, right? Let's build God's kingdom. And, and what I've learned is those stories, it's just the tip of the iceberg, but it's like, we want to help more people, but we can't. Can you help us? Can you help us pay some people? Can you help us help this addict? Can you help us with this person who's been re uh, rescued out of sex trafficking? Can you help us help them recover? We don't have the money. Can you help us with this church? Can you help us start a church? And there are all these doors of opportunity. And what I've began to learn is like, we get to seize God-given opportunities at the speed of our generosity. That's why there's a whole bunch of stories like this, because a whole bunch of you have said, God's calling me now. I'm going to be obedient now. Let's get crazy generous now. Let's make a difference now. And because you did that last year, look at everything that's happened. I can't wait to come back next year and share all the stories of what God has allowed us to be a part of because we did this now. God's given us all these doors of opportunity. We get to seize them at the speed of our generosity. And I was sitting at my desk this week, getting ready for this talk. And I was just sort of having this like moment with God. It's, you know, it's like some of you have been around for a long time, um, you know, but 
that God has done things in and through this church family that we never dreamed possible. Our, where we get to reach people at has expanded beyond anything we ever imagined. The, the, the number of people that we get to tell about Jesus every week and encourage to go tell somebody else and serve and love and give and the whole thing, like it's, it's just so much bigger than we ever thought. And so I was sitting at my desk this week and I was like, I was like, God, I, I never want to lose focus. It's bigger now. It's different now. I don't want to lose focus. Like I want to always be laser focused on lost people because that's why we started this thing. And I just want to keep that at the forefront of everything we do. And I have some stacks of things on my desk. And one of them is a stack of letters from some of you amazing people at God Behind Bars. And so I just grabbed one of them and just started reading. And I felt like God reminded me in one letter, that's why. That's why you're doing what you're doing. And so I'm gonna read parts of it. I won't read all of it because Ian wrote me a book. And I won't read his last name. I'll keep that private. I'll read parts of it. Hey there, Mr. Preacher Man. I love you, Ian. My name is Ian. I'm currently serving a 10-year prison sentence. And he goes on to tell me why and what happened. And he starts to write in third person a little bit. He's a brilliant writer. Anyway, so the way I see it, and maybe you can agree with me on this, is when you have someone, and so many of us know what this feels like, a soul teetering on the fence, trying to escape the unrelenting grips of Satan and the pain and the torment and the emptiness that comes along with it. And thinking after a lifetime of this that maybe I'd want God. But change seems so scary, so foreign. And I'm wondering, is this whole God trip really for me? And then he said something that most of us, I think, would go, I know what that feels like. He said, do I deserve this? If you're at one of our God Behind Bars campuses, you are so deserving of God's love today. Don't just let that sink in for a minute. God loves you. Do I deserve this? He said, I've been running straight into the darkness. Skip down. He says, I write this letter even with tears in my eyes. Yep, I'm a big crybaby just like you, Mr. Johnson. LOL. Not cool, Ian. Because too many times in my life, I was that person that turned my back on God and ran straight back into the dark, lawless, godless life. On my third trip to prison, I arrive at Territorial in Canyon City at the very end of December 2015. Someone told me about God behind bars and suggested I should go. I said, I'll check it out. And I attended the very first sermon of 2016 at GBB. And the preacher that day was amazing. I can't remember his name, but he's the one with the C tattooed on his ring finger. That's Ronnie. Anyway, I was feeling it for sure. And the music was nothing short of amazing. I thought, okay, I'm going to give this Red Rocks a whirl. See what they're about. And then you did a series called Blind Faith. And boy, did I hang on every word, my friend. I mean, I could feel it in my heart. This thing is real. And now I could feel God working on my heart through Red Rocks Church, and I just could not get enough of it. And so sometime in, in March, I'm really struggling. 
And one night while I'm in my cell, it is like the Lord was talking right to me. Then he tells me a little bit about that. And he says, all right, I get it. And so I made my decision then and there. I will give my whole heart to the Lord and to the best of my ability, I will never turn my back on him again. (laughs) So I said all that to say this. As a man teetering on the fence, God's love was was preached perfectly for me to be saved through Red Rocks. All glory to the one true God. But I also want to thank Red Rocks for being who you all are and doing what you all do. And I read that and I went, that's why we do it. (laughs) That's why we sacrifice. And that's why we trust. And that's why we risk. And that's why we do what to the rest of the world seems crazy. And so I can tell you this. We won't be perfect from this point on and we'll make a lot of mistakes and we'll learn as we go, but I can promise you to the best of our ability, we're gonna keep taking risks. We're gonna keep trying to expand his kingdom. We're gonna keep feeding people who don't have food and clothing kids who don't have clothes and trying to rescue people who need rescuing and keep going into GBB facilities and preaching the good news to the amazing men and women who are incarcerated right now. We're gonna keep putting our foot on the gas and moving forward. And we're going to seize God-given opportunities. And I'm telling you, church, we're going to do so at the speed of our generosity. Can you make some noise for that? So now we're going we're gonna to pray, we're going to give, and we're going to get excited. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you that every single one of us, we have, we have been blessed far beyond what we've ever deserved. And so right now, we're going to worship you with music, and we're going to worship you with our resources. And so God, for some of us, this is a real leap of faith, and the first time we've ever done anything like this. And for every single one of those people, I pray, God, that you would begin to already allow them to begin to sense your peace and your joy in this moment of obedience and worship to you. I pray, God, you take every single penny and you expand, not this kingdom, your kingdom, Keep giving us opportunities. Keep giving us the means and the resources to be a blessing and to walk through these doors of opportunity. And I pray, God, that at the end of the day, we really would one day get to look back and go, look what I got to be a part of. I got to be a part of making heaven more crowded, and there's nothing better. And so I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for everyone here. I pray, God, you you bless those who can give, and God, that you would bless those who can't, those who can't, that you would remind them that this is just a season and that you're with them and that you love them and that you have a plan for them. And those of us who have been blessed enough to be able to give right now, I thank you ahead of time for the way you're going to bless our lives in return. I thank you for the peace and the joy. I pray, God, we would sense your presence, and I thank you for this opportunity to be a part of real purpose, eternal purpose. In Jesus' name, and everybody at every location said... Amen. Church, we're going to stand up. We're going to start to worship with music. They're going to pass the buckets. You can give here in person. You can give online. Um, I love you, and uh, I'm excited to be a part of this church family with you. I love you guys. Have an awesome night. Let's worship.